welcome. Whānau online, good to see you. Good to see you uh, here this morning, church. Hey, look, who knows one of, the, one of the loveliest things that you can do for someone? To serve them, to show your love, and to be on the receiving end is for someone to make you a meal. Hey, around the world, around the world, hospitality, manaakitanga, is such a key, key way of showing love, isn't it, and warmth, warmth to someone else which is why I suppose it can be so bad when it turns to custard. Um, unless you're actually serving custard, in which case it's a good thing. But I was reading about a young fella, 12, who wanted to help out. He wanted to cook dinner for the family, and so he, he was at home preparing dinner. And then he rung his father at work, and Dad said he could hear the anxiety in his voice as, as this young guy, he was mashing the potatoes, and he said, Holy cow, Dad, I had no idea how strong Mum was. This is hard work, mashing these potatoes. And Dad thought about it for a second and said, how long did you cook the potatoes for? And the young fellow said, cook them. You know, so you can imagine, yeah, that was, it would have been an interesting meal. But I can't throw stones, whānau. I can't throw stones because I have my own uh, culinary disasters in the cupboard. Um, I can remember when I first met Rachel. Uh, I wanted to cook her a meal, wanted to bless her. And, and so she was coming around, and in my flat, I was cooking satay chicken. Satay chicken. Who likes satay chicken? Who likes satay anything? So I'm cooking satay chicken. And the recipe said, um, provide one cup of chicken stock. And so I went to the cupboard and there was a cube of chicken stock and I put it in the bottom of the cup, but it only took up that much. (laughs) See, you all understand. I went off the recipe which said a cup of chicken stock. It didn't say a teaspoon of chicken stock and then fill the rest with water. It didn't say that. What it said was a cup of chicken stock. So I put in all the rest of the cubes, which only brought the cup to about that much. So I found a tub of chicken stock. I filled up the cup. I put it in the pot. It was really salty. And so I kept trying to dilute it. And so by the time Rachel came round, I had it in one of those field. If you've ever seen, if you can imagine what it was like for cooks feeding 19th century armies on the march in the field, pots that big. I had a pot about that size. And I was pouring in a small paddling pool full of water, trying to dilute this, uh, dilute this swampy concoction. And, uh, and I, can just, I can still see Rachel stirring it with this huge, might have been a shovel, but big wooden spoon, just laughing her head off as we were trying to dilute it. And we just couldn't get, the, I don't think there was enough water in the Waikato to actually dilute it. And so, yeah, so that was a write-off, that meal. Um, And we won't even talk about the first meal I cooked for her where she chipped her tooth on my lasagna. We'll talk about that. We'll save that for another time. Yeah, which is why when I cook, it's usually fish and chips. But oh where, oh where, we'll come back to that. But but this morning, I I, want to hold on to this idea of preparing a meal for someone. Love, things not quite going right. We're going to have a look at this beautiful little domestic episode in uh, Luke's Gospel. Uh, where, where Jesus comes to the home of people he loves. There's a meal being prepared. And we're exploring, continue to, continuing to explore this wonderful theme that Pastor Sheridan has us journeying along and reflecting on, this idea of drawing closer to Jesus. Wonderful, wonderful theme. And uh, so we're going to look at that this morning and reflect further on what it means to live closer and more intimately with God. And so we're reading this morning from Luke chapter 10, verse 38. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me. Luke chapter 10, and we're going to be reading from verse 38. So Luke chapter 10, reading from verse 38. 
So as Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it and it will not be taken away from her. Lord, by your spirit, would you open your word to us this morning? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus often, Jesus often said things, eh, that probably left people feeling a bit bummed out. Um, challenged. Challenged in terms of perspective. Jesus once said, foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He had no permanent home. He was a stranger in a strange land. He, he had been sent by his Father to earth, to reconcile a lost humanity to God. He, he had no home. But there were times where Jesus enjoyed the welcome and the hospitality of good friends. And this home was especially precious to him. We know from the Gospel of John that the certain village here is a place called Bethany. It's about three kilometers east of Jerusalem. And it's the place where his body, it's not far from where his body would eventually be laid to rest. And it's the home of his dear friends, Mary, Martha, and likely brother Lazarus. Now Mary, as we read in this episode, massively countercultural to the time, she's sitting at Jesus's feet, listening to his teaching. Women didn't learn from rabbis in this culture. That was something that men did. And so she's sitting at Jesus's feet, but they're all learning that Jesus does things differently. Jesus, Jesus walks to the beat of a heavenly drum and his disciples are learning that. So she's sitting at his feet, and to sit at someone's feet, as we know, was a phrase meant to study or to be a disciple. So in Acts 22, we read about the apostle Paul, who, who, who sat at the feet of Gamaliel. He studied at the feet of the rabbi Gamaliel. He was a disciple, a student of the rabbi Gamaliel. And so Mary, sitting at the feet of Jesus, is learning from him. She is a disciple. It is massively countercultural. I can imagine it may well have been quite challenging for some of the disciples sitting there. And then there's Martha. Now, on the other hand, Martha is preparing a meal for someone who is incredibly important to her. And I want to I do right by, our, by, by Martha here. The Apostle John tells us that Martha, at, at the burial, at the graveside of her, her brother Lazarus, listen to the words of Martha here. She, she will say to Jesus later, I have always believed that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come from the world, uh, come into the world from God. So Martha is a faithful woman. So even while she's preparing this meal, she, she, she knows Jesus is the Messiah. And so this is a great honor for her. So she wants to prepare a meal fit for a king. She wants to do right by this, this, this wonderful guest that she has coming into her home. And her sister's just sitting there. She's not helping. And Martha gets frustrated by this, so she implores Jesus to intervene. She says, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. And all of the social expectations and all of the cultural uh, thought of the time would have backed her. Martha expects Jesus to agree. She assumes that Jesus will back her request because what she's doing is a good thing. Would you agree? This is a noble task. 
Surely Jesus will tell Mary to stop loafing and to come out into the kitchen and to help Martha prepare a meal. You're preparing a meal for 13 men, at least. It's a big meal. That's a lot of fish and chips, eh? I was just trying to think, what was that? It's five, six scoops? It's a lot, eh, to prepare. But Jesus doesn't back her. Jesus doesn't, doesn't back her. And his response tells us so much about living a life closer to him and what it means to live a more effective life as a disciple. So I want to reflect on that this morning. So let's have a look. So firstly, Jesus' response to Martha is tender. So we've read in the New Living Translation, my dear Martha. Actually, we read in the Greek, Martha, Martha. Twice he says her name. It's poignant. It's emotional. It's touching. Martha, Martha. He says, you are worried and upset over all these details. If we read other sort of more word-for-word translations, like the, the English Standard Version, the ESV, it says, you are anxious and troubled about many things. And New American Standard Bible, you are worried and distracted about many things. What's the issue here? Well, we read that Martha was distracted by the big dinner that she was preparing. And understandably, it's a huge honor. She's hosting the Messiah. She was distracted with much serving. She's worried, she's anxious, she's troubled. She wants to serve Jesus, but she allows her effort and her action in serving Jesus to become a distraction. She gets so worried about the doing, the details of her hosting and her hospitality, that she forgets the main thing about hospitality, which is to enjoy the company of the guest. Now imagine, go back to my embarrassing satay illustration. Imagine, so Rachel comes around, and here's this woman I love, and I want to bless her, and I want to make this meal for her. She comes around, and I'm angry because the meal's not working out. And she says it's fine, but I want to do this for her, and I keep pouring in buckets of water, trying to dilute this overabundance of chicken stock, and, and I'm, I'm so disappointed because the, the instructions said a cup of chicken stock, and I'm trying to get this right because I want to do this for her. I'm frustrated I didn't do it better. I'm trying to do this thing for Rachel, and where's my focus? Whereas I think Rachel would have been happy for me to write the meal off, to make a cup of tea, and to sit down and just talk with her about her day. That's what, But I wanted to do something for her. But she, I know, would have rather I was just with her. Now, I don't want to make this too simple a, a comparison because Martha is a good and a godly woman here. And for her to, imagine she abandons the meal preparation and just sits at the feet of Jesus. That would be a massive challenge to the social responsibilities around being a host, to the cultural expectations. That would have been huge. There was no Uber Eats that she could order in in those days. So you can imagine too some of the disciples sitting there going, what's she doing sitting there? Who's going to make the meal? You're a neighbor. Or were you going to say something? No, he bummed me out about that woman at Samaria at the well when I spoke. You say something. Because they all knew Jesus did things differently. But the scripture, so, so, so it's not a simple comparison, but the scripture shows how we can sometimes get so caught up in our doing for Jesus that we forget the importance of being with Jesus. Distracted, anxious, troubled, our eyes off Jesus and on the waves and the darkness and everything surrounding us rather than 
turning our eyes to Jesus and looking full in his wonderful face, as the song would say. And also, Martha's not happy with her sister. And we can appreciate the tone of her challenge here, can't we? Again, think of the cultural expectations. 13 men to feed. She's, she's out there preparing the meal. Tell her to come and help me. She's, she's assuming that Jesus will back her in that. And, you know, we, we often think of that. You know, I often think when I ask one of the kids, hey, can you go and do that? Oh, yeah, but what about, what about them? Well, I didn't ask them. Oh, yeah, but they didn't. Oh, we'll go and ask them. You know, they're always worrying about the other. So that, that, that sense of the, the sibling thing. But sometimes, again, when we forge ahead in our own strength, our doing for Jesus ends up being done in the wrong spirit. We end up resentful or frustrated, feeling unappreciated. We're looking around at others and judging their efforts. And when that happens, we've lost sight of what's truly important. True? As one writer puts it, Martha is gently rebuked, not for hustling and bustling, but for fretting and fussing. Not for the serving. Not for that, 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 that's beautiful. That's all good. Not for her service, but the distraction, for the anxiety, for the grumbling. She's in danger of majoring on the minors and missing out of what's, on what's of chief importance. So the scripture challenges us in terms of our purpose and our attitude in our service to God. But in the midst of this, what is it that's of chief importance? Jesus goes on to say there's only one thing worth being concerned about, a good portion. Mary chooses the good portion. Mary has discovered it. It will not be taken away from her. What is this one thing worth being concerned about, this one thing that's necessary, that's needed? Mary's got it. Again, let's, let's, let's take a closer look. At home, here, here this morning, what, what episode, what story takes place before this, this little domestic episode with Jesus visiting Mary and Martha? I'm, I'm genuinely asking. It's not a rhetorical question. What takes place before this story? Can anyone see in their Bibles? The parable of the Good Samaritan. That's a story about action, eh? That's a story about service, about doing. And so we see that. So, so we've got the parable of the Good Samaritan, takes place before this, this, this story that we're reading this morning. And in this story, Jesus is confronted by an expert in the law, and the man knew a scripture. He could quote the heart of the law. He knew that Deuteronomy said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. He knew that Leviticus said, love your neighbor as yourself. He knew the law. He knew the words of the law. And in Jesus' parable, recall the first two figures who passed by the man who'd been beaten and left for dead and robbed. It was a priest and a Levite. They too were men who would have known the scriptures. They would have known the law. They would have known the great commandments. But as they walked on that road to Jericho that day, those words made no impact on their lives. They knew the words, but those words hadn't impacted their doing. Those words hadn't impacted their being. And so Luke shows us in that story as Jesus speaks with the expert in the law, that to love God, you need to hear the words of Jesus. Because he'll go on and say, go and do likewise. He's, he's actually teaching him about what it, what it means to live and to do the word of God, to be God's man, God's woman in this world. 
I think to hear Jesus' word is to allow him to minister to us, to strengthen us, to heal us, to, to allow us to experience his love and his grace and his forgiveness and all that God's kingdom is about. I love how preacher Hayden Robinson puts it. He says this, he says, you allow him to do something in you before you do something for him. And then what passage comes after the story? of Jesus visiting Mary and Martha. So we've got the parable of the Good Samaritan, Jesus visiting Mary and Martha, and then Luke 11, beginning of Luke 11, what do we read there? Jesus teaching about prayer, the Lord's Prayer. And so here's Jesus saying, when you come to God, say, our Father. It's real intimate. And so when you come to God, you're engaged in this relationship and this conversation where you honor him, you glorify him, you depend on him, you ask him for what you need and you're engaged in this. You've got to be close to God to be able to speak and hear from him, eh? So you've got the story about doing the word of Jesus and hearing the word of Jesus and actually coming before God and, 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 and being close to God and in the middle is this lovely little domestic story that brings it all together. The, act, the faith and the action. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary makes the right choice, the better choice, the best choice. Despite the pressures to go out and help her sister, despite the social expectations that women didn't learn from rabbis, despite maybe some of the sidelong glances going, what's she doing? So what was that one thing that was worth being concerned about? Well, quite simply, it's listening to Jesus' words. It's listening to Jesus' teaching. It's hearing the word of God. This is, uh, the ESV will say, this is the good portion. Or the message will say, this is the main course. And in that, Jesus is contrasting what's going on. He's saying, you want to prepare a meal there? No, no, the meal that really matters is here. Sitting at my feet. This is the best portion. This is the main course. This is what it's all about. That's the challenge. That's the challenge that we have before us this morning. I love Anna and Nam when they came and shared uh, earlier. It was wonderful hearing their work with Reconciled World. And she shared about uh, how they were grappling. They were going through a time where they were they're grappling with things and they, were, they would work harder and they were trying harder and they were doing things. But, but the, the breakthrough came by simply abiding. They stopped the trying and the, the, the striving and the doing and they got to abiding, just being with Jesus and then the breakthrough came. The challenge here is that the worries of life should never prevent us from consuming God's word and from being with Jesus. That's not easy, but that's the challenge. So the previous parable, the parable of the Good Samaritan, show, show, he shows godly compassion. And then Jesus says, go and do likewise. So you had, you had to hear Jesus' words to grasp what it meant to, to then get up and, and go and do. So service is good. But if we are to go and do what Jesus teaches, it requires us first to sit down and listen to him. So if we're going to do, we need to hear and be with him. James, brother of Jesus, will later encourage believers to be doers of the word and not hearers only. 
New Living Translation puts it this way. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. To draw close to God in his kingdom and in God's way, to sit in his presence, to hear his word, to experience his love and his forgiveness and grace, to be molded and transformed, no longer conformed to the patterns of this world, but being transformed by the renewing of our minds as we sit before God. That's the mahi. That's our work. And then once we've heard, we get up and do. But we do it in his strength and not ours. Again, that's a learning thing, isn't it, finally? Yeah. I, uh, I've been really challenged by the, word, or the teachings of Pastor Peter Scazzaro. And he reminds us that we are human beings and not human doings. And that our doing for Jesus should flow out of our being with Jesus. And so he challenges us with this reflection and just, 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 just ponder it, that what I do matters, but who I am matters more. For we are being conformed into the likeness of Christ, dying more and more unto sin and living more and more unto righteousness. Who I am, that God is interested in seeing that growth. I can't become more like Jesus in my own strength. We can't do it like just gritting our teeth. I'm going to try and be more holy. It doesn't work that way. But God has given us his Holy Spirit to transform us from within to become more and more like Jesus. And that's a journey. That's that sanctification journey. And because of that, as we sit at Jesus' feet, as we spend time with God and we hear his word and we rest in his love, transformed by his grace, then our doing for Jesus will flow from a being that is growing ever closer to God. Peter encourages believers, and I've got this on a slide. Thank you, Hannah. Peter says, give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares for you. Give all your worries and cares to God. Bring them to the foot of the cross. Read the Psalms, people bringing their complaints and their worries and their concerns to God and then moving into a place of worship as they honestly come before God with, with what's going on. So as I, I draw to a close this morning, Fano, do you find yourself distracted, worried, anxious, focused on the things around you? And there's all sorts of things that can easily take our focus and, and raise well, the cost of living, health issues, concerns about family and stuff? Do you find yourself getting ha with people around you, frustrated, increasingly critical, loveless? You know, that internal... Uh, we're invited to sit at the feet of Jesus to hear his voice, to let his words wash over us to hear a different voice to the voices in the world that are calling us to see things in a different way and to come before Him and to, to, to hear God's Word, to see God's way. As God calls us to persevere and to strive for Him, the Gospel tells us that God doesn't want us to work harder, but to draw closer. Safano, I want to encourage you this morning, make time to sit at the feet of Jesus. Draw near to God. 
closer. And you know what? There may be social responsibilities. There may be cultural expectations of, of your colleagues and friends and family that make that hard as you carve out that time to spend with God. But do it. Please do it. Hear His Word. Sit before Him in prayer. Read Scripture. Listen to His Word. Encourage one another. Draw strength from His presence. Closer. Move closer. Do all that you can to draw closer to Him. As we draw close to God, He will draw close to us is the promise. And then, having been with Jesus, we then rise and we are doers of His Word. We become ones who not only hear the Word, but become doers of the Word. And in that way, we become salt and light to a world that is hungry for Him. Let our doing flow from our being, amen? A being that has benefited from being closer to Jesus. I like the me I'm becoming beneath the hand of Jesus rather than the me I might have become without him. I need to learn the balance between doing for the Lord and receiving from him. Between being a hearer of his word and a doer of his word. Between doing for him and being with him. The challenge in all of this is to resist those expectations and challenges around us to sit at the feet of Jesus and to hear his word. He says, that's, that's the meal that matters.